Tis the season to be happy. But what is the reason for this season? In this week's Signs of the Times radio, Kent and I will be talking about where you can find your nearest road to Bethlehem, as well as what's going on behind the scenes in the Christmas story. This is Signs of the Times Radio with Kent Kingston. Hey everyone, welcome to Signs of the Times Radio. I'm Daniel Kubedek and joining me in the studio is Kent Kingston. Yes, thank you, Daniel. Daniel has stepped out from uh, behind the the producer's desk today, the editor's desk, which is a great work that he does uh, every week for Science Radio. And yeah, in the interviewer's chair, which is scaring me a little bit. But look, Daniel, you do have wonderful golden tonsils and I'm glad that our listeners uh, get to hear a, a bit of that today. Thank you. Well, it's not about <laughs> me. It's actually about you this time. First of all, how are you? I mean, Christmas is approaching. People are jumping into the shops, buying heaps of stuff. Yeah. What What are you up to? How are you going with your Christmas shopping? Well, yeah, we. I actually did do a little bit of a shopping spree last night with with my wife. We, you know, do a bit of Hungarian Saint Nicholas in in December. So we yeah, we got a few bits and pieces for for family, just like little gifts that just you know show that we love them and that we care about them. We're thinking of them. So that, that was cool. I have done a bit of shopping. I have to confess. Oh, what else? Oh, do you, do you get anything for yourself? Like yeah, yeah. I, for I, your bike? No, I, I got some clothes and stuff because, you know, I was with my wife and I was in Kmart. So <laughs> no, Nothing for the man shed? <laughs> no, no, nothing for the man shed. I've got to say, I, I, I like your man shed. Your man shed is very manly. There's a lot of... It's like a, hardcore tools. It's a very big, well, see, I have a son who's um, studying to be a mechanic, uh, um, so he buys the cool tools and then I get to use them. Yeah, well, your son <laughs> is definitely way more manly than me. <laughs> so so what, what's, what's going to be your deal this year? Because you obviously have a massive family and I yeah. still haven't met them all because they're all like scattered down the east coast of Australia. Yeah. So what, what's going to be the deal? Are you, are you going anywhere? Or are they coming to you? Who are you, who are you hanging out with this year? What's, what's going to be the go? You will be happy to know, Mr. Daniel Kuberek, that we are driving to the fabled golden city of Adelaide for Christmas this year. So yeah, heading, heading across from here on the New South Wales coast, uh, across on the, um, the Hume Highway and then the, the Sturt Highway way and across the hay plain boy that's a you know it's a long drive but it's I, such a boring drive i, I enjoy it I don't know, there's always emus and stuff which is cool um, <laughs> you have but, to avoid like certain native animals yeah to... <laughs> it's cool yeah but it's and it's always a bit sort of sad to see how how dry it is out there you know in the murrumbidgee sort of river area yeah it's it's real dry out there but yeah, we'll be heading over to adelaide to see my in-laws to hang out with them for christmas and then we're heading back to the New South Wales coast for my parents' 70th birthday, which is happening late in, in December. And yeah, and then you and I are off to New Zealand, which is going to be fun. Well, so that's going to be quite a quite a bit of mileage on the car. I hope your head gasket doesn't 
crack. Oh, don't say that. No, look, it, it should be. A, I have to make sure I service it before before we do that, though. So what? yeah, but yeah, Christmas is going to be fun. Um, you're going to be catching it with family, and you're right, they are scattered all over the place. So yeah, look, looking forward to hanging out with uh, both sides of the family, the in-laws and and my side. Yeah, so you, so you're obviously going down there to hang out with your wife's family who live in Adelaide, mm-hmm. and they're Hungarian. So how does that look? How does a Hungarian Christmas look? Is there lots of lots of food? Lots of food that you've never heard of? What, what's um, the deal? Look, there there is um, certainly there are certainly some Hungarian dishes that I really do enjoy that are sort of standard. There's a, a stuffed cabbage dish, sort of that involves some. Is it stuffed with rice or? Uh, yeah, it, yeah, it has some rice and vegetables in there, but there's also some. Uh, oh, what's what's it called? Sauerkraut. Yeah, there's some sauerkraut involved. That mm-hmm. so that's very nice. So that in Hungarian, that's called törtő kapusto. So that's very nice. And there's I really love Hungarian potato salad. It's really good. It's not just like egg and potato and a bunch of mayonnaise, which is often what you get, you know, with an Aussie potato salad. This is a colorful potato salad with like, you know, cucumber and capsicum and uh, maybe red cucumber, uh, sorry, red onion. And yeah, it's a really like beautiful, colorful, healthy salad. So those are two things I'm looking forward to in particular. And my mother-in-law is a great cook. So she'll be She'll bound to have some great sort of eggplant spread that she's like made herself. This beautiful smoky flavor. Oh, love it! Oh, my mouth is watering. Yeah, yeah so sounds, it's 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 going to be good. Sounds like you're going to need a gym membership after that. <laughs> yes. well, if, if you if you want to train with someone, I know a guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do try to get out in early in the morning when everyone likes to sleep in. I like to get out to the park and do a couple of laps or something where while I'm on my Christmas holidays, just to prove that I I do have some level of fitness. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't doubt it because you sometimes go running at work but hey like last year you were you were there for christmas as well Mm. or around christmas time yeah and i was in there at the same time but we didn't really catch up because um you have your mates and i have mine (laughs) but but you did you did sort of invite me to go to one thing which was the lobethal lights Um, yes so are you going again this year or what was that like last year Look, it's beautiful. It was a, a really great drive out through the, the Adelaide Hills. And yeah, Lobethal in particular, I mean, I guess a lot of people know that there, there's there been a, a lot of German settlement in the Adelaide Hills, you know, back in the day. And that German influence is still felt there, most really in the town of Harndorf, which is a, a bit of a tourist trap, but still a, a great place to visit. But another quite German town is Lobethal. Uh, Lobethal, which uh, we Aussies call it. And yeah, they have all these Christmas lights everywhere, all through the town for quite a few weeks, actually. And from, uh, I think, December 8 through right through to December 23, they actually have a nativity play happening right there in the main street in front of the Lutheran church. So I actually, you know, we went to Lobethal last year in the Christmas period to check it out. But sadly, I hadn't realized that even though the the lights continue into January, the Christmas play finishes like, you know, just before Christmas day. So we missed out on the Christmas play. So hopefully we'll be able to go back and uh, and check it out this year and actually see the Christmas play in, in action in, in Lobethal. Yeah, that'll be fun. So that's not the only one not the only nativity scene that's happening around the country because it's actually in in this month's Signs of the Times magazine we we list wherever you are in in Australia or New Zealand there's bound to be something that you can go to and one of these things is the road to Bethlehem now there are quite a few of those around the place and we we explored some of them in 
in Signs of the Times. So can you can you just tell us a few about them, where you can find a few in sure, your local sure. area? Well, look, basically the, the road to Bethlehem concept started in Melbourne what, several years ago now, um, maybe even more than a decade, I think. Basically, the idea is that this is a, how would you describe it? It's, it's community theatre, I guess you could call it, because it is like local people, amateur people, usually from you know, local Seventh-day Adventist churches who get together to put on the story of Jesus' in, in Jesus birth in, in, dramatic, in a dramatic sense. But instead of everyone coming and sitting in seats and watching the whole play unfold in front of them, what happens is that the audience actually moves from one scene to the next scene to the next scene to the next scene. So there may be actually multiple people playing Mary and Joseph, for example, so you'll see like, you know, three or four Mary and Joseph's as you go through it. You'll go into Herod's palace. You'll see the shepherds. You'll see the, you know, the wise men. You'll see all the different scenes of the Christmas story and it all kind of links and you, you kind of walk through each set, you know, and often there's a lot of effort made, you know, for in terms of biblical costumes and, you know, and props. And sometimes there, there are like markets or, or other entertainments sort of surrounding this whole, you know, Road to Bethlehem theater experience. You know, there's there's been camel rides and you know sort of those kind of Middle Easterny kind of things and great food and we're actually doing it at my church where we're not under the Road to Bethlehem name, which a number of them are around Australia, New Zealand. Ours is called the Stable Door, but similar concept. We've um you know, but we've written our own script and yeah, we're gonna have a lot of fun doing that. I'm actually one of the Josephs, Daniel. You you'll be happy to know. Yeah, yeah. You told me that you're growing your hair out for it. That's so right. That's like. Oscar-worthy commitment to the role. That's right. I'm, I'm so method. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're pretty much just acting like Joseph around the office now. That's right. That's right. I, I think I'm, I'm going to wash my hair and actually put some olive oil in it just to go like real full Middle East. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Are we ready for that? Really? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so there, there are a bunch of places. Some of them, there are no road to Bethlehem's, but there are yeah. other things. But I encourage anyone who's listening to this to check out our website and it's the title of the article where you can find all that stuff is called Share the Christmas Story and you can find where your nearest one is if you're in Australia or New Zealand. Look, there's a road to Bethlehem in Perth, there's one in Mildura, there's there's one in Melbourne. I mentioned that the, um, the, there's the uh, nativity play in the Adelaide Hills there at Lobethal. There's another one at Canberra. Where else? Oh, Central Coast, New South Wales, Tauranga in North New Zealand and Christchurch in South New Zealand. And as well as that, there's another another event called Stable on the Strand, which is in Townsville, right up there in North Queensland. So that there's another option to check out. And there's also a Lake Macquarie at, um, at my church at Hillview, our stable door thing. So yeah, there's, there's a bunch of things happening. Sadly... Nothing in Sydney this year, nothing in Brisbane or, or the Adelaide metro area. So, and these are areas where, you know, there have been Road to Bethlehem events previously. And I'm really hoping that in the future, you know, they'll be back on. Yeah, that's right. Anyone who wants to find out where the closest one is to them, I encourage you to check out the dates as well, because some of them have already finished by now. Some of them are still going. So just... Give that a sus and see where the nearest one is to yeah, you. It, it's a really great experience. You know, some families have made it sort of part of their their yearly Christmas tradition, you know, because it's re- really, really good to, I mean, you kind of escape the Santa and Rudolph sort of stuff and all the jingle jingle and you get right right back to the historical basis of, of Christmas. Mm, that's right. Now, let's just switch gears here to your article that you wrote for the December Signs of the Times magazine, which is called The Christmas Invasion. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, we'll jump into the 
the vegan meat, as I like to call it, <laughs> of this article in a second. But first of all, do you think that the meaning of Christmas has been lost? Do you think it's it plays on anyone's mind or do you think that it is something that's discussed enough? What are your thoughts on, on the, the true look, meaning of Christmas? Look, I mean, I, I think these things evolve. They certainly do evolve over time. And if you ask people, I think most people in, a, in Australia or New Zealand you know, or, you know, they, those sorts of countries today, you know, what does Christmas mean to you? I'm pretty sure most of them would say one word, family. That's what Christmas is about for them because obviously, you know, a lot of, you know, all schools are, are on break, a lot of workplaces go on break and people take the opportunity to to reconnect with, with their family. So, and I think that's a positive thing for sure. Uh, absolutely. But yeah, you're, you're, I think what you're hinting at there, Daniel, is that there are a number of competing narratives when it comes to, you know, what does Christmas mean? And I think we do struggle with that as families, particularly if, if we have like young kids and we're parents, you know, because it's presents, 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 presents. What am I getting? You know, and, and adults tend to sort of reinforce this in the kids' minds. Is there any sort of random adult who comes up to a kid in the lead up to Christmas? Oh, so what's Santa getting you for Christmas? Or what do you want for Christmas? It's always what, want, 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 what are you going to get, get, get? And I think that does sort of feed into the, the well, that vulnerability that we have about giving presents is one that is exploited thoroughly by the commercial sector, by shops, you know, and look, you could say it's good for the economy and, you know, we always look for a bit of an uptick in, in economic statistics around the Christmas rush. But oh, I don't know, I'm not sure how healthy that is, mm. the sort of pressure that people have to spend a lot of money to buy presents for, you know, every Arthur and Martha. I don't know. I think there are ways to give gifts without falling into that total commercialism trap though. You know, we've had Christmases where we've said, okay, here's the rule. We're giving presents to one another, but like we might actually just choose like one person or it might be, you know, one of those random, you know, secret Santa sort of things. So, okay, you're buying a gift for that one person, but the rule is the gift has to be handmade. Mm. So you you can't um, like just buy a gift and give it to them, or you may have something like okay, it's not it has to be an it can't be an object, it has to be an ex, a shared experience. So this is the sort of thing I guess where you like write vouchers, you know, oh, I'll give you a massage or a day out at the beach or you know, kick, kicking the footy in, in the park or whatever. And, and so these are things that, hey, these are experiences that I want to share. And this is about the family thing again, I, I guess. So that there are ways I think we can counter that commercial, uh, you know, that commercialism, crass commercialism aspect of Christmas. Sorry, I, I interrupted you. Yes. Like I was just going to mention, obviously m- my parents don't celebrate Christmas for, for their own personal reasons. Mm. But my, one time my mum was in the shops and this lady, she struck up a conversation with one of the checkout ladies and checkout ladies was like, well, how's your Christmas shopping going? My mum said she doesn't celebrate Christmas. And the lady was like, man, I wish I was you. <laughs> and I also, I used to work at Coles yeah. and man, like Christmas, like the night before Christmas or the 24th, that was the busiest day of the year mm. for, for like supermarkets. It was just so crazy. It was, yeah impossible to keep up they literally had everyone that like was rostered you know that was a part of that store like on at the same time oh really just to meet up with the demand wow it was crazy 
Yeah, but anyway, so you're right when you say that we can get caught up in this consumerism aspect of it, which I don't really like, which is why I sort of tell my friends, don't, you know, don't get me anything. I'm not going to get you anything either, <laughs> unless there's like wow. something like a secret Santa or whatever, or yeah. so, something something like that, that, you know, I don't want to be a bummer to, to miss out on. But generally, I just, you know, make it clear that, you know, I don't really participate in it as such. But... We, let's talk about why Christmas. What's the event that caused this whole celebration? You know, people go yeah. into it for a variety of reasons, you know, the family aspect of it. But fundamentally, Christmas is about the birth of Jesus. So, yeah. uh, where do, because that's what you explore in this article, which is where does this fit in yeah, as far as yeah. Earth's history goes? What's the significance? And, that, and this is an interesting thing because I think the, the evidence is probably against Jesus of Nazareth, you know, being born on the 25th of December. He was, you know, probably born at another time of year, but, you know, like the Queen's birthday, we celebrate it at a time that kind of works for us and that, you know, there's has become a, a, a season, a Christmas season. And I guess we should be aware too that whereas in a lot of countries, Christmas is December 25, you know, in other countries where the, um, like the Christian Orthodox sort of traditions hold sway, so places like Russia, Greece, probably the two most obvious ones, Christmas is later in the year. I think it's even around early March or something. So that that's Christmas for them, and and that's fine. I I don't really mind what time we choose to remember. You know Jesus' birth. It's it's a incredibly important event. You know historically and spiritually. And and you're right. And and that is certainly another of of the competing narratives of you know what is Christmas really about. And there are certainly are, are a lot of uh, Christians who are very keen to remind everyone. Hey, you know. Jesus is the reason for the season. So let's not just get too caught up in Santa and, and Rudolph and, you know, Buble and, um, you know, massive, massive piles of presents. Under. Buble only ever comes out. <laughs> yeah. There's like a meme on Facebook that he only, only ever comes out of his cave when, when it's Christmas time <laughs> and then he just goes back in and disappears for the rest yeah. of the year. And it's funny, you know, I heard someone say the same thing about Mariah Carey the other day too, <laughs> which is interesting because, you know, I sort of grew up listening to Mariah Carey when she was at the top of the pops sort of thing. And now she's been relegated to Christmas album. So that, <laughs> that's, that's really, really interesting. But yeah, look, I, th- I think it's important and, and I think it's an opportunity to, to um, you know, Christmas is to connect with our community, to remind them, yeah, the origins of Christmas are about Jesus and this in- incredible event. And what well, I mean, so what, you know, people have babies all, all the time. Why is the birth of this particular baby so important? And I guess that's probably the direction you're, you're going to take this interview, right, Daniel? That's right. Well, first of all, like what, what is the, the meaning of Jesus' birth? Obviously, as Christians, we, we hold Jesus' death in high regard because of its significance. You know, Jesus died for our sins. Because of that, we are saved. But why is it that we almost hold Christmas in higher regard as far as around the world a celebration is Christmas is more hyped up than Easter is? What is yeah. what is the significance of Jesus' birth as far as the history of the world goes and and personally as far as our salvation goes? Yeah, well, I think in some ways, you know, because Easter is about Jesus' death and resurrection, we're talking about crucifixion. I mean, those are, that's a pretty sort of somber you know, confronting, you know, sort of topic. So I guess it's not the time when people get around, you know, 
jump around and <laughs> and ha- have a big party. I mean, it's a it's a time of somber reflection and and yeah, there is celebration too. Um, there's resurrection, there's new life. It's incredible. But but Christmas, I guess, is a little easier to sort of get into some unalloyed joy and feasting and and merriment because it's the birth of a baby and that's always an exciting thing. We we can relate to that, but. I guess to really grasp the significance of it, we need to really, really step back and and have a look at this this incredible cosmic conflict that was, you know, going on for thousands of years, you know, probably longer by the time Jesus was born. And look, I think probably Daniel, what what I'm going to need to do is to you know to take you on a little bit of a Bible study, bit of a whistle stop tour through through the Bible because it goes. Look, it, it goes Genesis, it goes Revelation, it goes all, all over the place. Because what the Bible tells us is that in, in ancient times, there was a battle in heaven. There was a war in heaven. It was between, you know, God and the and the angels who were loyal to him and Lucifer, who had been one of the leading angels, but basically, you know, rebelled and split off and took a, a third of God's angels with him. There was a battle about you know, who, who, who's right, who's wrong. At that point, the Lucifer was, you know, thrown out of heaven. He, we begin to call him not Lucifer, but we call him Satan or, or the devil. And at the, um, at the Garden of Eden, we have this opportunity, the devil, you know, this ancient serpent, this ancient dragon has this opportunity to basically check with Adam and Eve, well, whose side are you going to be on in this conflict? And through deception and through their lack of, I guess, you know, sticking with the clear instructions that God had given them, Adam and Eve and all of humanity who, who come after them basically choose Lucifer's side, you know, the serpent's side, which has horrific consequences. You know, we, we see the consequences of, of sin and, and death and all sorts of things around us in, in the world today. And, and right back there in the book of Genesis in, in chapter 3, the first hints are given that God actually has a solution to this problem. And God prophesies to to Adam and Eve and to the serpent there, says, hey, listen, there's going to come a time when uh, Eve will give one of Eve's descendants, he's called like the seed, will will battle with Satan, with the, with, with the serpent. And, and God says that you serpent, you will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. So this obviously, you know, being injured on the heel is a, a temporary thing. Being crushed on the head is a fairly permanent mm. end. So there's this, and it's sort of a, a strange sort of saying that I guess it's one of those things that you think, I don't quite know what that means, but you file it away. And that's what you need to do with the Bible. Sometimes you don't quite understand something, but you say, that sounds significant. I want to file that away. And, and it certainly is significant because what this is, is the very first prophecy that, you know, that Jesus, the son of God would come and do battle with the devil. And, and we see that at, at at the cross, you know, as you mentioned, Daniel, that that is the the crucial moment when when that battle uh, was fought. That was the time when when the the heel was bruised, when things looked looked pretty bad. But the result was that the serpent's head, you know, will eventually be crushed. So yeah, there's this cosmic this cosmic battle going on, and but what we see, the surprising thing we see with God so often, is that He doesn't necessarily come in sort of all guns blazing to overwhelm the devil or you know or the enemy whoever the enemy may be with just this overwhelming force 
Mm. And that's a strange thing, you know, why would God do that? And we have hints in the Bible. We have the story of Job. It's actually one of the, in terms of which book of the Bible was written first, Job is the earliest. And in the book of Job, we have this incredible insight into what is going on behind the scenes um, in, in, in spiritual places. We have this dialogue happening in Job between God and the devil. And God says, hey, have you seen this guy on earth? You know, his, his name is Job. He is so obedient to me. Like he's, he's upright. He's, um, he's loyal to me. Um, you know, what, what a great guy. And Satan basically says, <laughs> well, of course he's loyal to you, God, because you've blessed him. He's an incredibly wealthy guy. You've given him everything he could ever need. Of course he sticks by you. But says the devil, if you will allow me to strike him down, to, you know, to cause him to suffer, he'll curse you to, to your face. Of course, Job doesn't know this is happening. Job is just like any of us living his life, you know, on earth, but suddenly his whole life just explodes into chaos. All his worldly goods, you know, basically destroyed or burned or stolen. He ends up like incredibly sick with boils all over his body, his children, and this is the most horrific thing, his children are like killed in a, in a natural disaster. And he's like, what is going on, God? What is going on with this? And and we get this glimpse into our suffering and our situations there. You know, what is going on, God? What? And Job is never given a reason in the book of Job. Only we as the reader are given an insight into what is going on in heaven, that there is this battle for Job's loyalty going on. And and I guess we, you know, that tells us that there is a battle going on behind the scenes all the time. There are things that happen to us that seem random, that don't seem to make sense. We're never given any explanation, but there is a battle going on on behind the scenes. And we also see in this situation that sometimes in fighting the battle, God pulls back. Yeah, that's that's an interesting link you made there because... A lot of the time, when when bad things happen to people, we you know we we curse. We unlike unlike Job, we curse God. We we say like why do why do bad things happen to good people mm-hmm. and whatever. And, and that's the end of a lot of people's faith. And that's right. And another thing we say is that God doesn't understand that you know he's mm-hmm. he's up in heaven watching us yeah. in our misery, and yet we can often fail to understand that Jesus' birth was he was on earth as a human which is a big part of the significance of his birth. Absolutely. Uh, God as a human personified in the flesh, going through the same struggles that you and I would. Mm, that's right. And, and that's right. So the, those are the, the two, well, they're probably more than two, but incredible things about Jesus' birth. Number one, yes, he becomes a human. So he can identify with our struggles. He knows what it's like to be human. So this is, as the Isaiah prophesied, you know, uh, Emmanuel, which means God with us. That is an incredible thing. But also we see again, this tendency of God to fight his battles by being vulnerable, by being weak, by in some way, you know, by, by showing love and somehow his love and his vulnerability overcoming the, the hate and the, the overwhelming, you know, power of, of evil. That is, is an incredible thing that, you know, God made himself so vulnerable to be born as as a baby to you know insert himself into human history in in that way to make an, an eternal and a, and a cosmic difference it's it is a pretty sort of incredible thing to you know it's more incredible than you or I deciding hey I'd like to become an ant 
Mm. You know, the, the, the descent that, that, Jesus, that God had to make in order to become baby Jesus is much further than that. And we talk about being upwardly mobile. You know, God in, in becoming Jesus uh, was incredibly downwardly mobile. There's a, an incredible verse, uh, like passage that, um, that the apostle Paul wrote. He, he says, though that Jesus was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself and died a criminal's death on a cross. So yeah, in, in those, uh, those verses there, we see Jesus' birth, you know, born as a human being, we also see Jesus' death. And each of these is, you know, going down, 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 down. You know, the God of infinity broke into human history, not with a thundering invasion from the heavens, but, you know, by being born as a baby. It's a, yeah, it's, it's incredible. But look, I think you probably need to read the whole article to really sort of get the full implications. Yeah, definitely. Give it a sus. It's called The Christmas Invasion. It's up on our website and in the magazine for this week, this month's Signs of the Times. And that's definitely a very good thought to, to remember as we, as we go into our Christmas period. Hey, thanks so much, Kent, for joining me. And I hope you have a awesome Christmas day and Christmas Eve with your family there in Adelaide. Thanks so much for joining us on this month's Signs of the Times. Thanks so much, Daniel, and a happy Christmas to you too and to everyone listening. Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Signs of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au. Signs of the Times has been published in Australia since 1886 and is proudly produced by Adventist Media. This is an Adventist Media podcast.